we would like to talk for a short while on fruit of the Spirit. When you think about fruit of the Spirit, you know, I, I think about fruit. It's a weird kind of word. When you think about fruit, you think about apples, oranges. It's, it sounds singular, but it's actually plural because you can put all these fruits together. And when we read about this fruit of the Spirit in a moment, Paul's talking to the Galatians about what he wants them to, to act like and what they need to put in their lives versus what they have had in their lives. And you think about a fruit bowl, you know, it holds apples, oranges, bananas, and all sorts of different kind of fruits. And we, I think about our body as a Christian being that fruit bowl, and, and Paul's wanting you to have all those things in you. And so you can look at all the different examples of how we're supposed to act, but it's hard. You know, you think about the spiritual part of when you talk about the fruit of the Spirit. If you look at those words, fruit, and we know what fruit is, and it's, it's the works that he's wanting them to do, but think about spirit, and that's a, a sort of a hard subject. It's something we don't see, we, something that's hard to really get a hold of. We can see our flesh and feel it and, and have emotions of all different kinds, but you think about the spirit, and it's, just, it's not there, seems like sometimes. You can't see it, so it's hard to think about this spirit part. You know, God, it talks about when he created man, he breathed into his nostrils and gave him the breath of life, a spirit. And it talks about also when he dies, he's going to take that spirit back. So I think in, in all reality of what the Bible teaches, it teaches that we have a physical body, we have a spirit that makes this body move and, and how to act, and we have a soul, and that soul will be in heaven or hell when we die. And so you take those aspects of our makeup, it's, it's, the physical body's hard to, uh, to me to, to, to keep under control. Sometimes we think about that bondage of sin, and that's what Paul is going to be talking to these Galatians about, or did in the Bible, and is teaching them on how they need to act. And you think about this for a moment. We, we grew up, we was born into this new law. When Jesus came, it was just, we're here, we're in it. But think about those that were there at that time. Let's just pretend. We're in those days, we've lived under that old harsh law, and now you have a man who's come here and says, this is how we need to live now. And whenever those changes were put on them, it had to be a difficult subject because, well, the harshness of the old law, think about this a moment, you had the harshness of the old law that if a person committed certain sins, sometimes it was stoning and death. I mean, it was, they didn't mess around. And there was a lot of laws. And so... A child, rebellious, another harsh law. It wasn't being sent to the corner and get a spanking or a toy taken away. It was harsh. If you committed adultery, you were stoned. You committed this, very, very harsh laws. And so Paul is talking to these Galatians, and, he's, and he's, evidently there was Christians that whenever they're transitioning from this old law into this new law, and he's explaining to them, how we need to be able to believe and act in faith now rather than being trying to be justified by that old law. And so, but think about this. All those harshness of, of living at that time, all of a sudden is removed. And you have the liberty of Christ who came, got them out of that bondage of that old law, and now this new law that we live by is not mentioning that you're going to get stoned if you commit adultery. Think about that. How is Paul, an evangelist, you think about as an evangelist who is teaching now this new law, and all those things that have been removed if you murder someone, if you do this, and, and think about these sins that we're talking about, they're terrible. But evidently as a nation, just like we see today in the world, there's those things going on. And now he's coming up and saying, well, the, 
this, this ain't going to happen now. You're not going to be stoned. So, you know, to me, that's kind of like telling the child, and that, that, you know, they were children of God, so you think about our children. You, okay, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to punish you anymore if you do this. <laughs> Yay! No more spankings. No more taking the harsh punishment to your child. How would they act? You think about that you give them that liberty, and that's what Paul's afraid of. You, that liberty doesn't mean that you're just going to be able to act the way you want to act. He says, you know, God forbid we read scriptures about that. You're not going to continue in those sins. So Paul, though, is teaching them how we're going to live under this new law. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, when you look at all of it in a, in a bundle and talking to the Galatians there, Paul, I think it's a difficult subject that he had, he had on his hands because there were still those that were trying to transition and was thinking this, that we can still do this and, and it's going to be okay, especially now that there's not going to be a physical punishment. So, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And that's the area that we're going to be paying specific attention to is this, through all the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, he's teaching we're going to be speaking on love. But it's joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance against such there is no law. You know, when you look at these scriptures and you think about love, I believe it's mentioned first because of the importance of it. You think about a godly love, a benevolence, a compassion when you see the needs of someone that you have a working faith in you and you love so much the way God loved us is that you take action. And this is, I believe, what Paul is wanting to get over to the Galatians. If you'll... Uh, bear with me a moment. I'm going to look at. I'm going to use a, a new King James version on on reading some scriptures here. I like it a little better than the King James. I I didn't look at ESV on it because it didn't didn't even mention murder in in it that scripture. But the new King James, I believe, is is one of the better re- readings. He starts out and he talks about also to the Galatians that he goes to the, to the first basic thing that they can relate with, and that was, was circumcision. said, if you're circumcised or not circumcised, it's not going to value anything. And he talked to them about having faith in Jesus Christ. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith through but faith working through love. And that's in the New King James, that'd be verse 6, Galatians 5 and verse 6. So you think about what Paul's teaching them, he's he's getting their minds away from that old law and that old thinking into now a Savior that died for you. Even though he's not here, you have faith in him, and we live by the Spirit in doing that. So we do it how? How? but faith working through love. You think about that, I believe that's the reason he mentioned it first. I think it's a very important attribute when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. And it teaches us, even in the old law, to, about love. And Jesus, we'll get some examples of Paul and Jesus using that example. Relationships that the Spirit of love affects. You think about love, and you think about the fruit of the Spirit, it affects a lot of things. It affects... God's love of mankind, we read about that in the Bible. 
We see mankind's love of God and neighbor, love one another, and love in deed and, and in truth. This is the things that will make us take action when we see that there is a need. We'll read scriptures too where the benefit of that is that we glorify God in doing it. You know, when we think about Paul talking to the Galatians in this lesson, we see him in, in making these statements about the circumcision or not. You know, think about someone that has lived all these years, generations and all these years through that. It's the same as us here today in whatever years that we have in this life that we know the truth like this. And all of a sudden, someone come along and said, this is going to change. And what did for them. And so whenever you think about this relationship that the Spirit affects, he's trying to turn their minds from this old law that they were afraid of, if I do this, I'm going to die, to this work in faith and love in Jesus Christ. Totally, completely different way of, of, of thinking about God and what you have done in the past. So it's needful for him to, to make this transition with Galatians. Through Jesus, let's think about a little bit before we get into the part about love here. Um, before I do, I'm going to read another scripture in Galatians, which I just forgot to do. In verse 19, I think we can see what they were dealing with and why he's talking about these fruits and the Spirit. And starting 17, Galatians 5, 17, For the flesh lusts after the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that you not, do not do the things that you wish. So it's a completely different way of thinking for them. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are... And you listen to these things that's going on. I, I found one area when I was studying this, there's a listing of about 22 different sins and things that you can get involved in. I think there's about a dozen here. Uh, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, um, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness and revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, when you list all these sins that he's talking about, I don't think Paul is up in front of these Galatians talking to them, you know, just in case they may do that. It's, it's happened in the past, and so he wants this, all these sinful ways to go away, and that's why he starts listing, this is rather the way we should live. But think about this. You know, when I read these, I know there's some in there that I've committed as far as uh, the sins. And I don't know your heart. You know your own heart. But this is telling me that if I practice these things, that heaven is, is not there for me. And I believe we can get forgiveness from any sin, and I, I know the Bible teaches that. But think about this. If you did it one time or twice, the Bible teaches, you know, we're, and we fight against it, that we're doing right. But notice that word practice. You know, when you think about practice, the King James says do such things, but I like the King, New King James talking about the word practice. If you practice something, you're doing it all the time. It's a lifestyle. You know, 
we were going at, through Decatur the other day, and we noticed uh, up on the, a big billboard, it talked about Trevor Brazil. And he's 42 years old, and if you flip that number around, it's 24. That's how many world championships he's won in calf roping. And he's, uh, I now have, he's at Decatur, Texas now, born in Amarillo, children's raised, and lives in Decatur now. And I've heard from a lot of people in that Decatur area, it's all he does. That guy, even though he's won six world championships, he practices every day. Practice, 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 practice. A professional golfer will hit a thousand balls a day. Zane, I'm going to guess that the basketball players you like to watch, they've got skills, they've got the height, they've got the athletic, everything. They're, na they're naturally was born with a body that helps them that, yes, but they wasn't born a basketball player. They, they had to practice. And they do it often. So, drunkenness, you're practicing at it. Adultery, you're practicing at it. Jealousy, you're practicing at it. Here's one I noticed, the selfish ambition. What's, what's wrong with ambition? Well, if it's selfish ambition, scriptures teach that you'll do anything to get there. You'll stamp on anybody that gets in your way, and you will cheat at anything just to get you a little extra and get you a step ahead. Selfish ambition where it makes you sin. So there's things in here that we look and say, oh my goodness, but yet there's some things in there that we can kind of relate with also. And that's a dangerous area because it tells us if we practice it, outburst of anger, if we have a problem with it every day, selfish ambitions, that's, that's hard to take, that the kingdom of God and heaven is not for us. So this is the things that Paul's talking to them about is how we can change that. And that's through the Spirit. And we live a certain way. For through Him, let's think about the Spirit a minute. For through Him, we have both access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Think about that. The chief cornerstone helps us in all these areas of our lives that we need to uh, be able to act in a right way. These scriptures teaches us a lot about the Spirit. You know, when you think about the Spirit completely opposite of the carnal, where you're not going to live your desires for these sins that he taught, but rather live desires of other areas that God wants us to live in. First John four thirteen tells us hereby know we that we hereby know we that we dwell or live in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and God dwelleth in him, and he in God and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Why is it important that we learn this spiritual part, this spirit part? I believe it's because it's really we're not a lot different than, yeah, we're living under the new law, but try to put a handle on the spirit and get a hold of it and truly understand it. And it's, it's, it's hard. But it's something that governs us to live a certain way. And if we don't go there and we think we're going to be able to just to handle everything on our own and through the fleshy part of our body, the mind, and our own heart, the thinking maybe these ways are good, it's difficult. We're not going to make it. And this teaches us that we have to do it through God and the Spirit that He give us. 
God give us the spirit of love. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isn't that great? To have a sound mind, to have that of, of love, and to have power, and it's not a spirit of fear. You know, it talks in the Bible to do everything with moderation. Nothing raised up here, raising ourselves and elevating, and nothing down here of just woes me. But there's moderation, having a sound mind, and using the power of God and of love to help us get through this life. Paul describes love as, as charity. Charity suffereth, or love suffereth long and is kind. I'm going to say love. Love emdeth not, love bondeth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. When we think about these things, it starts summing it up for us and gives a definition to what love is. Love is the greatest single quality a Christian can have in their life. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. You think about these, all the great things that we can do. I believe that's why love was listed first when, when it was brought out in that Galatians 5 there. It's important that we have this in our lives. You know, when you think about love, <clears throat> it's not with just uh, talking. It's, we'll get into it a little in a moment about word and deed, it's easy to talk, but walking the walk, as the old saying goes, it's doing the things that we want to do as a Christian. We can come here and meet on a Sunday. We can put on our best duds and sit in the chairs and call ourselves Christians. And we can go out of the building and we can act a completely different way. But God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's where it's, the work begins is that we go out and we get tempted and we fail and we do these things that we should not do as Christians, and I do also. And it's difficult because if it gets to the point where the heart waxes over, it grows, then you don't think about it anymore. It's not really that big of a deal. And you take those folks at that time in the old law, all those sins, think about it. They, they suffered harshly. And for us, if we, if we do the practices we mentioned a moment ago, those, that practice, our, our difficulties will come later when we pass on. <laughs> it, everything that we thought we were getting away with, well, what's a big deal? You know, at that time, I mean, we can, as parents, we can threaten our kids and, and say, if you do that, if you, if you cross that line, you're mine. And that's sometimes how we can, you know, stern parent, right? Well, do we really as Christians need to do that with the Lord? You know, well, there's the sin, I know, and we're just going to put one toe over? No, because ours comes later. It's not the harsh punishment that they figured out they were going to get then in the time of that old law, but the hope in Christ and the faith in Christ also, he's going to teach us, and he does teach us, that we have to fight those things. If we don't, we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's going to come later, the punishment. So let's keep in mind that all these things that love teaches us to do is for a reason. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, I love Bonnie. She loves me. And when we find ourselves doing things for each other, of, of working 
relationship. And it's not because she asked me to do it or, or I asked her to do it. Or I love her, and she loves me. And so my relationship with her would be that trash is full. <laughs> Take it out. You know, do something that shows that love, right? Don't just talk about it. I love you. Okay. I love you. Oh, okay. But I don't take the trash out. <laughs> you know, those relationships are, it's talk. It's talk. And we see that in the world today. Talk, talk, talk. And it's a lot of hypocrisy. And there's things that go on there that we, as Christians, should not let in our lives. If we say in, in the scriptures here that our love should come out in word and deed. Paul says it's the greatest, 1 Corinthians 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I believe that's why he mentioned it first a moment ago. The old law and love was Deuteronomy 6, 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. When you think about that, that is giving everything. That's giving all that you have in a relationship with the Lord. And as he was talking to uh, the people at that time, that was the old law about love. And Jesus brought that out at times, and so did, so did Paul. Here, Jesus quoted it and says here that Matthew 22, 35 through 40, then one asked of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> when we see these scriptures, the importance of, of love, if we think about it, in any situation in our lives, there's going to be a predetermined answer on how we need to act. And you, you think about any situation, love is going to take you to a better place. Paul was so afraid when he's talking to the Galatians, one of the parts that he was talking to them about was because of the way it used to be, we don't act that way any longer. This is how we're going to live in this hope and faith in Jesus Christ by a working love. He was so afraid that they were going to destroy themselves. And that was going to be, it talked about in, in, the, in the biting and in the devouring, which means destroy. So they're ways of acting at that time was not longer okay. If you've seen something that you wanted, you just didn't take it. It would be stealing. All these laws that they were living under, and the harshness of it, if it was removed, he was afraid that the believers would just fall away from that. And that's why he was pounding in there and pounding, this is how we're going to live. As a church, church people make mistakes, and they, they sin. And it ain't no longer uh, no different than what we see in the world sometimes, it creeps in the church. We make mistakes, and sometimes it hurts. It hurts other people. We can't do that as Christians. If, if I was to wrong someone, I need to go visit with that person and say, you know, forgive me, and vice versa. It needs to be a working love in church. And whenever that is going on, it won't be any way former fashion of it not working. It's going to work. That's the attitude that Paul was wanting the Galatians to have. And it's an attitude that we should have too. Love is going to overcome all 
problems and situations. You think about the difficult situations of, of some churches that the division, think about that. Why did the division start with? And that's a hard subject because there was somebody in church who thought something should be done this way or that way or, or a disagreement. And when you look at that situation, what, what develops? What, what's the byproducts of, of hatred, hateful, um, bitter, critical? And the byproducts of that is, is some people left, some people would leave. It's because of one or two, sometimes individuals. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Not a good thing. And you think about that situation. What would, what if love truly, like Paul was saying, was truly there and people were working to get there, somebody that wronged me so bad that I decided, you know what? He's there, I'm gone. But love, on the other hand, if I took a situation, stopped, pulled back, and looked at that and thought, you know what? My wife goes there. My, my true friends are there. My other family's there. I'm leaving all them. What's the sense in that? There is none. But one person, I'm not going to be around him, and now I'm not around the rest of the whole group. So all that really doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But it can be overtaken with love. It's can, it could be where you go there and you talk to that person, you work things out, and you have that love so much. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes it means if they're still there, and that person is not right with you, you be right with that person, no matter what. We were to forgive them. We were to forgive them and love them and pray for them. Sometimes when gentleness is not applied, when anger's uh, been applied, when hurt feelings critical, as Christians can think, you know what, you need to be living this way, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and outbursts come out, that's hard. You know, they don't work as, as a parent to a child sometimes. You need to talk to them on their own level and talk to them in a way that it's going to be acceptable. And bottom line, after Galatians 5, it goes into Galatians 6, and it talks about restoring the ones that are sinful with meekness and love. So really, when you think about what Paul is trying to get them into, it is love, and sometimes love, as it says, that love hurts, and you have to make decisions for the betterment of you and your soul and for the whole church in situations like that. We need to love and not be critical especially if it come to a point where uh, you have hurt feelings to the point of, of hurting your spiritual life. Don't, do not do that. And I will say this, if it ever got to a place with you in that area, get with uh, some of the elders, counsel, get with a good friend that holds you accountable, counsel with them and, and see if your thinking is ever right on that. It, is not, it can't be when you leave. It just is not. So divisions... And critical, the things that, that, were, that was being talked about. Paul's trying to, to mesh all this people living under the old law, coming in together into this new law. You had some people still doing these things, some people possibly doing them, and these people were saying, hey, they're doing them, and back and forth. Think about that. Think about the difficulty of bringing them in and everybody living under this hope of Christ. And we still need to continue to live under the hope of Christ with a working love. Paul is speaking about love being the fulfilling of the law. 
Romans 1, or 13, 8 and 10, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. If it's the fulfilling of the law and it's based on that, we as Christians in everything that we do and we make decisions about, it starts with love. No critical, no bashing, no putting thumb in the back. Love. And it, here it teaches us these scriptures that we are to love our neighbor as thyself. If I love myself to the point that I wash my body, I feed my body, I get sleep when I need it, I put clothes on it, I clean my fingernails, I try to comb my hair. If I love my body that much, we need to love the other person that way. And what that's doing is we can relate with the works that we do for our own body. We can relate with the works that we are to do for everybody else. Neighbor is, is, is going to be anybody that you come in contact to. Brethren, non-brethren is that we treat correctly and we treat as we would treat our own body. Love one another. 1 John 3.11 For this is the message that you had heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Love one another is a commandment. Teaches us here in a love one another relationship of John 15.11-12 These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's the part that that's in, we've seen in situation in, at other churches that's possibly a division and splits and things. If we love God and, and keep his commandments, if you love me, keep my commandments. How can all that be? How can that be right? How can that? It doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. The unity of it all with love is that we are patient, we're long-suffering, that we make everything in our life, make it work, that you love one another as I loved you. If it's a commandment, and we look at that as a commandment, if somebody has done me wrong, how can I never forgive that person and live by this scripture we just looked at? It just, you don't work. It don't work. As Garland says, if you can be a Christian and leave one person in your life not forgiven, you're going to have to show me a scripture on it. There's nothing there. It teaches us that we are to forgive and be forgiven. So the scriptures teaches us that we're to love one another. Love one another allows all men to see and know we are disciples of Christ. John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also loved one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Have you thought about if we're out and about in our life, it's with our own families. I mean, they're, they're, my wife's a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm maybe an uncle a Christian. If, if, if we're all out and about and the people don't see that we are acting as disciples and being examples, would anybody want to be a part of that? If we're biting at each other, like Paul was talking, hey, y'all don't destroy each other. Think about that. He's talking to Christians. 
people that transitioned out of that old law, talking to Christians, don't destroy each other. Why is he saying that? Because all that list of sins that was above. And now this is the way we are to live. And so we can see how we are to live. Sometimes it's not easy, is it? If you're going to be my disciples, you're going to have to act like it. You're going to have to love one another. Love requires obedience. Love of God relationships, it, it does require obedience. John 14, 21 says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. It's our life. It's, it's all that we should know. Love of God is perfected when we keep his word. This is where it gets hard. <laughs> 1 John 2, 4 and 5. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth the word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Again, that walk the walk and talk the talk. And so if we walk the walk, we've got to love God and keep the, keep the commandments and the, be obedient to that. I have seen so many times, and I'm, I'm not a big social media guy. I go there from time to time and kind of look around, but the word Christian is a lot loosely, let's say, used term. It's, you know, if many times, uh, and it's nothing wrong with have morals, good morals is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, they're probably taught from those old laws all the way down to the laws that Jesus has given us. But actions speak louder than words. And that's the thing, is if, if we are to act a certain way and we know that we know that we're to act a certain way, we've got to do the work of it. We're going to get ourselves into heaven by works? No. But again, it's a byproduct of living a working faith. It's, it's just going to come out. If we're not doing that, here it teaches us that we're a liar, that the love and the truth that we're talking about is not in us. But whoso keepeth that... In him verily is the love of God perfected, is complete. Hereby know we are in him and him in us when we do that. The love of God has got to be perfected in us. Love requires more than talk, love and deed and truth. First John three seventeen and eighteen. But whoso hath the world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. You know, the scriptures teaches us, again, that we are to have a certain attitude and love in deed and truth. And I, you know, I, I believe that there's, there's wrongs about an attitude of, of doing things and putting a star in your crown and, and you, you know, there's some beliefs of that, but it is for us as a Christian, the deed and truth is that we do it because it's the right thing, because we love God. And it's going to glorify Him. That's why all this is done. Somebody can come up and say, why are you doing that? Well, maybe he opened up a door for you to, to talk about that glorified God. And that teaches us to do that. You know, I can't tell you, and you can't tell me what I need to do and you need to do, in your Christian life as far as these good deeds and truths that we're talking about here when it comes to love. But I can say this, that if you're, if, if you're living your life 
and you feel that there is something that there's, it's, it's not even a feeling, feeling's not the right word, if, there's, if it's not evident of these actions that we're talking about, if it's not evident, then we really should take a look at what we're doing, if it's not there as evidence. If we do see the evidence in our lives at it, then we can see that it just ain't talk. But if it's no evidence there of it, that what God teaches us, then it is talk. Love requires action. James 2, 14 and 17. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So the opposite of that faith that Paul was talking about in, in the working faith, by love is this right here. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. You know, you think about sometimes about love requiring action. Sometimes it hurts. There's somebody who has a problem with the drink and, and you put them up for a while, counsel and talk, counseling with a good friend, maybe a Christian. Not convenient times. Going down the road, seeing somebody broke down. And you know, you think about as simple as that, and you're in a hurry. I mean, think about that, and you're thinking, I've got to be here, I've got to be here, and it's 102 degrees, and they got the hood up. That's, that's where we start saying, you know what, whatever can wait. And then we see these things in our minds, and <clears throat> we think about what the scriptures talk about that love, it's, it's action. It is action. It is, as hard as it hurts on the most inconvenient times, it, it still is on our part that we should take action. If we don't, our faith is dead, being alone. Why do we love? Glorifies God and is fulfilling of the law. Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It shows what a wonderful God that he is. And it is a governor, a regulator that we use, that we regulate our lives and we govern our lives. And those things that we do glorifies God. And hopefully people will see that and they will ask a reason of our belief. God's relationship with the world. This is a very known verse that's always out there, again, on billboard signs and sent, written on somebody at an NFL game, maybe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, when you think about that love to the point where you allow your son to die, a love that was so strong and true, even though God has the power to raise him up, think about having enough power and, and heart to let him go. Leave heaven, go to this ground of sin and sorrow and say, this is what's going to happen. You're going to die, but I'll raise you up. You know, when Jesus died on that cross and he loved us so much that we could have this not perishing and have heaven, what a wonderful work that was if we didn't have that. What a miserable life this would be. But we know that we have the hope in Jesus Christ. At this time, we're going to offer an invitation. We know that we can always be forgiven of something that's in our lives.
the danger is, is that we see that the scriptures talked about there in Galatians was the practice of these and those of the like. So in other words, he's saying, these are the ones I'm listing, but there's a lot more. Those of like. Don't let those take over you where it's an, a practice. That's where we're in danger of, of, of not receiving heaven.